Hi, I'm Brian. I'm a Methodist minister. Uh, I was president of the church last year, uh, and one of the things I wanted to really encourage, uh, one of the things that I wanted to highlight during my year was this sense of uh, God having a heart for the vulnerable. Uh, those on the margins have always been a great uh, person uh, or people in my heart. Uh, I'm joined by Leslie and my daughter Nicola, and this wee lad running around is our foster son. So please just go with him wherever he ends up. Just go with him. He's, he's full of life. and I'll talk a little bit more about him in a moment or two. This idea of stranger and God's heart for the stranger is a significant part of Scripture. I think it's worthwhile remembering also that you and I were once described as strangers in God's terms until we came into that lovely relationship with Christ. The stranger is also uh, how we are to live. I, I love that I've, one of my favorite books in the Bible is First Peter. And that a whole concept of living as aliens in a strange land. Not to withdraw from the land, not to you know, go into our holy bubble and leave it, but to go and be Christian husbands and wives, Christian employers, Christian employees, and also live as aliens in a strange land. And it's getting stranger, the land. And the vulnerability of people is becoming more and more evident. The little picture of Andre Kurdia, the little boy in his blue t-shirt, uh, sorry, his red t-shirt and blue shorts, lying face down uh, on a Turkish beach, uh, changed people's views about refugees. The church has been great at going and taking God to Africa, going and taking God to various places. And we've been really good and we've transformed societies. Some for the good, some not for the good. So we didn't get right, but we tried. And then in society, we've also been thinking about the alien coming to us and the whole concept of the, the, the refugee settling in Ireland. One of the privileges I had as, a, as, a, as the president was to meet the first batch of refugees, the 51 people who arrived in Northern Ireland uh, back in just before Christmas last year. Uh, and boy, it was a privilege to meet those eight families. And they have settled really well in the Belfast. I understand the second group have settled very well into the Maiden City, uh, whether that be Derry, Londonderry or Legendary, whichever title you want to go with. And there's another batch coming, and they're going to arrive in uh, Craigavon uh, shortly. So our whole concept of a person from outside coming to us and settling with us is important. But what I'd like you to think about this morning is the stranger in your midst. There's, there's a number of children and young adults who need a home. Who need somewhere to settle? And they're strangers. And the whole concept of a child or a young adult coming into your home and your well-established home. Uh, Leslie's here. I have a son, Michael, 22. Nicholas, 21. And we invited this young guy here to come and be part of our family. He was a stranger. And now you can see he's anything but a stranger. But he was a stranger. The CEO of um, Children in Need said, every child deserves a childhood. And fostering and adoption and what Home for Good do is part of that giving a child back its childhood. And it's so rewarding. People talk about what we give to this wee man. 
I can promise you, he has given us a thousand times over. I have learned so much about resilience and fight for life and what it is to really want something, whether that be Thomas the Tank Engine or whatever. He has taught me so much about resilience. Our journey into being a foster family uh, started. Leslie is a a nurse, uh, always worked with those with special needs. That's why she married me. And always bringing children home to her family, that she was permitted to do so. Uh, and so when we got married, it was not unusual for us to have uh, children that was Leslie was permitted to bring home uh, to do so. Uh, we tried to do it more formally uh, with a, a, a teenage boy who had autistic, on the autistic spectrum. Uh, and that just didn't work out. Uh, the, the, the relationship between our children and this lad just didn't work out, whereby what we hoped would happen didn't happen. But in the process of doing that, we had been trained to be a foster family. Uh, With Leslie's uh, uh, great training in being a a nurse with special needs, we said we wanted a child with special needs. Uh, And this young man over here has two major conditions. He has a cardiomyopathy and he has a syndrome called Pierre-Rubin. No one's ever heard of that. And if you want an explanation, Leslie can give it to you afterwards. Um, after the incident with the teenager, we said we wanted a preschool child. And so we were introduced to Colin. Ah, I'm not allowed to tell you his name and I've just done it. Sorry. Uh, we were introduced to him at the age of eight months. He was born and he lived his first two years in the Ulster Hospital in Belfast. Uh, his mum's a lovely lady, but she didn't have the work for all to look after him. And so Colin was introduced to us and we uh, took him out uh, you know, for an afternoon uh, did training. Leslie obviously had all the training. The rest of us had to be trained how to look after him. Uh, and we, we did that. Uh, the first uh, time we went out, we took him to Castlewell Family Week uh, for an afternoon. And so it all progressed so much so that Colin is now part of our family. Uh, and we love him to bits and he, he does so much for us. Uh, he gives us so much. Um, we have to be careful about various things. We have to be cautious about certain things, but uh, fundamentally, he's part of our family. Now, I'm 54. Leslie's much younger. So you can do it at any age. You know, don't let age be a barrier to you or to think about doing it. You know, often when we go to see consultants and doctors, they go and say, oh, your grand has brought you today, has he? And I go, no, I'm his daddy. I'm his foster daddy. And I'm being upstage as always. If you have any thoughts at all about welcoming a stranger into your home at whatever age you are and whatever age you're thinking around, it is a wonderful gift to give a child. It's a wonderful thing to give a child back his childhood. It's a wonderful thing just to say, Lord, we don't know where this is going, but we're open to a journey uh, and, and enjoy that journey. When I heard that uh, Chris Kadarian had started Home for Good, uh, and Malini will tell you more about that in a moment or two, uh, I thought this is a great organization because I believe the church is uniquely placed to support children, to support families, uh, and to give them an opportunity to express their Christian faith. Uh, We get... um, what's called direct payments and we have direct payments workers some of the direct payment workers uh, who we have had trained to look after our wee man uh, you know they come from the church and it's given them a, a role as well um, 
uh, our last church, you know, uh, Colin has to go for a significant um, medical procedure next week, and we've sent a prayer request out to our our, our previous congregation, and um, the the feedback's just been lovely, and people just take to him so much as he takes to them. And gives them so much. So it's a lovely relationship to have with you as a family and the church supporting you in, in this mission together. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about statistics and details uh, in a moment or two when I come back to you. But that's just our story. We we have had Colin for since he was two. He's now he's five in a few weeks' time, uh, and and we do it as a family. We do it as a family. So Nicola and Michael are also very much trained to look after him and also uh, um, uh, part of the care. So we do it as a family. Uh, it's just worked out so well for us. Thank you. Okay, Melanie, I'll hand over to you. Thank you. It's great to hear stories um, to inspire us. Um, I'm just going to share a clip. It's only a couple of minutes of Krish Kandaya, who's the founder and director of Home for Good. Um, it began with his heart Um, And it was birthed out of a campaign with the Evangelical Alliance in 2013. Um, And he'll tell you through his story just why um, this sort of resonated with him and why it was birthed. When he arrived on our doorstep, he had a huge pink suitcase, which obviously wasn't his. He was a young boy in his early teens, but he was a tall lad. But he was stooped over and he couldn't actually give us any eye contact. There was a big scar on his face where I thought someone had used a knife to hurt him. But it turns out his own mother had used her fingernails to scar him and then poured boiling water down his arm. He'd come straight from the hospital into our care. So there's no surprise about why he wasn't saying very much. But we'd run out of small talk and we didn't know what to say. We tried to make conversation, but whatever we said was just bouncing off of him. We couldn't make a breakthrough. And then I watched my boys, my 12-year-old and my 11-year-old, use a therapeutic tool that I wasn't aware of. It's called an Xbox 360. And they reached out to him and asked him for a game of FIFA. And my lad, who's normally an Arsenal supporter, well, this lad, he was an Arsenal supporter. So... He got to be Arsenal, my boys got to be Manchester United and somehow Arsenal won 5-0. But as a father listening in to the conversation, I heard words that warmed my heart. Nice shot, mate, well played. How did you get round my keeper? You've played this before. And I could see the boy was beginning to feel a little bit more comfortable in his own skin. Then it was dinner time and uh, we sat down and you know it was an emergency placement so we didn't know what to cook him so we just cooked everything we had in the freezer and it turns out chicken Kiev that's what he liked so guess what we had five nights in a row then it was time to go to the supermarket because even in his big suitcase he didn't have a toothbrush so I take him my two boys and this lad and we go traipsing down to Sainsbury's at nine o'clock at night And uh, I couldn't find toothbrushes. I was going up and down the aisles and me and a trail of three boys behind me. And then he cracked a joke. He said, Chris, you don't come here very often, do you? And I'm thinking, hold on. A few hours ago, he wouldn't give us eye contact. Now he's cracking jokes. And something in me began to melt. And I felt there in an aisle in Sainsbury, something of the presence of God. I'm realizing there that I am channeling something of the grace of God into this boy's life. 
I'm tapping into a God who describes himself as a father to the fatherless and a protector of widows and orphans in Sainsbury's. I'm not in church, I'm not in a Bible study, but I'm having a worship experience of God. And that's when we realised there was something here that the church needed to get on board with. You see, the God who is a father to the fatherless calls us, his people, to demonstrate that same compassion to kids in our communities. God says the religion that he's looking for is to care for widows and orphans. We realise there are 9,000 more foster families needed across the UK and 6,000 children waiting for adoption, most of them not babies but older children, three plus, coming from black and minority ethnic backgrounds. Many of them have additional needs. Many of them have experienced neglect or abuse. Lots of them have brothers and sisters. And they're being left behind because potential adopters don't want those kind of kids. There's something here the church can do. We realise that we're in touch with 15,000 churches. So have you done your maths? It would only need one family per church to step forward for fostering and adoption. And for the rest of the church to wrap around them, give them the support and help they need, set up a babysitting rotor, agree to do their ironing. It could be changing the way we do Sunday school. It could be all sorts of practical ways the church can facilitate foster carers and adoptive carers to do their role by being the support they need. We've been travelling the length and the breadth of the UK. Churches have been giving us their Sunday morning services or helping us put on information evenings. Some churches have started whole initiatives across their town and their city. In Southampton, they've seen scores of foster carers and adoptive carers come forward. And slowly but surely, the tide is turning. So we're asking you to join in this journey to consider becoming a foster carer or adoptive carer yourself, to consider becoming a supporter of others by standing alongside them, or maybe by becoming a financial supporter of Home for Good. But thank you for what you're going to do to help the vulnerable children in our country. So why Home for Good? Um, It's with that backdrop that we just felt very strongly that actually the church does have a part to play. And that part is what we hear in the Bible where God talks about placing the lonely in families, where he talks about taking care of the widow and the orphans. And we wanted to try and help the church on a journey of um, understanding the needs in their community and then starting to think, how can we meet that need? And so there is a journey for churches to go on um, and to to think, as Brian said, of of welcoming um, the vulnerable into our homes. And we do understand that that's not for everyone. Um, So some people will be sitting with us today who are thinking, I'd love to adopt or I'd love to foster or I'd like to think about it in the future, but not at the moment. But we also felt that actually everybody in the church does have a part to play in supporting families. So families that are adopting and are fostering. And so we felt um, very early on as Home for Good was starting to take root that actually this was something we wanted the church to rise to. And we wanted to play our part in helping the church, equipping the church. 
Um, we do resources to help churches. So somebody recently on um, Facebook put, you know, I'm about to foster. How do I help my church to support me? And a lot of other people who are linked with Home for Good started um, giving practical ideas of um, how they could support that family and that person. So we want to resource people. We want to equip people. We want people to connect with each other. And that's been a huge part of Home for Good that people who have felt very isolated over the years have said actually through Home for Good they've met other people who foster or adopt and um, throughout the UK we're starting to see little groups um, sort of emerge um, of people who are saying right on a Saturday morning once a month we're going to meet together we're going to open our church hall and we're going to have adoptive and foster families where kids can play and um, adults can maybe have a bit of time to just talk and journey together um, there was a group in Belfast the other week I went to join um, just to see how they they are and they, they've decided as a group of mums that they're going to pray for their children and so so they're um, spending time every couple of weeks just getting together and praying. And that's been facilitated a lot by just having that open conversation, which Home for Good has almost given permission to do in our churches. Um, I'm an adoptive mum. Um, we moved to Northern Ireland a year ago. Um, my husband's from here, so he returns after 30 odd years. Um, back to Northern Ireland with us as his family and just to know that we can have that conversation so people like Brian and Julie I've met through Home for Good and um, I know people are journeying with me and my family as adoptive kids um, as they grow in this um, in this place in Northern Ireland. Um, we also felt very strongly that um, we wanted in our churches to have people who we call champions. Um, so what we've asked for people um, to find and to recognize in their churches, somebody who would hold this banner and say, I'm going to always bring this to the forefront um, with the church. So I'm going to ask the church to maybe consider how they message Mother's Day, um, a time which is often very difficult and um, on lots of levels um, we try and do um, some resources around that we try and do a prayer we try and do a clip similar to Chris's story where we can re resource the church to message what it means to be mums and and take a whole spectrum rather than just take um, a traditional view of what that could look like um, we try and help our champions to to think how can I support other families in the church as well um, Julie's one of our champions would you like to come out now? Is that okay, Julie? Um, and so she's part of a church where she's helping them on a journey. So Julie's just going to share a little bit of her story as well. Hi, everyone. And my name's Julie, and I have been a respite foster care for the Belfast Trust for the past three years. Um, and I suppose God really put it on my heart whenever I returned from a mission trip to, to Uganda, where I got to meet my sponsor child. And I came home and I felt God saying that there's a need in your in your own home around you that I want you to fulfill. And I remember the conversation and I said, well, God, how can I do it? I'm single. Um, I don't know if I'm good enough. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to manage and handle all the behaviours and the emotions that are that are going to come with it. I don't know if I will be able to love a child and then watch the, the heartbreak of maybe them having to walk out the door and never see them again. 
I don't think I'll be able to do this. Ta-da! And presented it to him. But um, God very graciously um, began to uncoil all those doubts and fears that I had. And the over well-mean theme for me was that every child deserves to be loved every child deserves to be held Um, and I remember reading Jason Johnson and he said that we shouldn't let the fear of loving a child that may leave us deter us instead we should let the fear of a child never knowing love drive us and to push us through with that so um, I have been doing respite which looks like another support and wraparound for foster families kinship families and also for foster children themselves for the three years um, and I would do weekend support so I've had a 13 year old now um, and I had her since she was 10 and that's her now being 13 Um, and I have loved it and it came at a cost um, sometimes you know the social life has to take a wee bit of a back said but um, the emotional cost um, and everything that goes with it has been completely worth it Um, and I've just absolutely loved it. We got involved um, with Home for Good Um, I heard about what they were doing and I was emailing Melina like crazy going how what is it I need to do how can I get involved with this because I just want to get the language of foster and adoption back into church again and um, I want to dispel any myths that people may have and certainly that I had and misconceptions about what fostering and adoption looked like I had no idea that I was able to do it because I was single I had thought in my head I don't know if anybody remembers the tv show problem child I thought what on earth is going to be coming to my door and how am I going to have the support to be able to maybe um the heartbreak of them having to leave again and the support from Home for Good and the support from um, my pastor has been amazing I'm very actively involved in my church so also thought well how am I going to do this and also be able to go to church the tiny act of kindness can make such a difference the, for the um, the fellowship of my church whenever she walks in the door they're straight over to her what did you do this weekend what are you up to look how tall you're getting eyes isn't that amazing that has made my life so much easier because I'm still able to be involved in church she loves going and she's from a different um, church setting than, than what I than what I go to um, and she loves going because of the connections and because of the support and because people look her in the eye call her by name and are interested in what it is that she's doing and now if I'm on the welcome team she's standing beside me welcoming everybody into the church and calls them when am I going to get to see my friends this weekend she loves it the simple act of support that that has um, not only for me but for her and her whole family is massive and it's just people calling her by name and taking an interest so Home for Good has been massive been able to support us as a church to resource us to equip us with practical tools and terminologies and facts and everything just to get the word and the language of foster and adoption um, back out there again so the small thing and can make such a huge difference. um, On your chairs there is a a leaflet. I know some of you guys who are sitting further back. I hope you can hear us Um, but we've got some leaflets. I'll um, sorry this is with being in a tent I think. There's some here if you haven't got one um, and please do get one um, so that you don't leave. Oh thank you. Didn't know you were going to be here. <laughs> there we are. Thank you. These guys have done a grand job as well. They're, they're, um, they're champions and um, they're farmers and they opened their farm um, a few weeks ago for Open Farm Week in Northern Ireland, weekend in Northern Ireland. And we um, had some fundraising for Home for God. Um, so it was a great time um, where they live. So that's great. 
Um, I'm just going to try and set the scene a little bit for Northern Ireland and what's happening here. Um, so the initiative of Home for Good and the charity all got birthed across the UK. But um, a lot of the activity has been in England. But there's been a group of people in Northern Ireland who have been meeting faithfully for the last three years um, and looking at how can we help the church in Northern Ireland engage with adoption and fostering. And um, when I moved um, last year, um, I've been asked this year to, to support, to give my time to helping churches. So that's what I'll be doing over this next um, couple of years. Um, so Brian's just going to give you a bit of a backdrop of the statistics because I think, um, I don't know whether you, you know what the picture looks like in Northern Ireland of children in care, but it'd be great to just grasp that and then to give a bit of vision of how we can maybe play our part in that. There are approximately 1,700 children and young people in Northern Ireland looking for foster and adopting homes. Uh, that's, you know, that's a staggering figure. Uh, and I think across the United Kingdom, they need to find five new foster families every week to meet the demand. Children and young people in, in need for a variety of reasons. The way the Northern Ireland process works is that Another sort of alien comes into your life if you offer yourself to be a foster parent, and that's a person called a social worker. Is there any social workers in the audience? Oh, okay. They're great people. They're fantastic people. And actual fact, I do mean that. They do a really, really difficult job. They have to cover so many bases in so many aspects of life, whether that be the trust the foster family, the, the birth family, the relationships they have to hold together. Uh, I, my sister-in-law and her husband are both social workers and I admire them, but I admire them even more now because of the work they do. It is, they get bad press in my opinion and I think it's most unfair because most of them and all that I've met are, are tremendously committed people. Uh, but a whole raft of them come into your house. I remember one afternoon sitting at my desk and four different social workers phoned me. Uh, one was this young man's, one was ours, one was the interim one, and one was uh, his, Colin's family's one. And at the last one, the last one I said, who are you talking to me about? I have no idea what we're doing here. But they're wonderful people. Uh, and they take you through a process, and it is a most challenging process. And it needs to be. Because they're vulnerable children, and the last thing that needs to happen is that any more vulnerability is opened up to them. Our dog was assessed to make sure it wasn't a biter. Fair enough, absolutely. So that, that whole process, it takes 18 months, Leslie? Six months. Just felt like 18. Uh, and they come and they lead you through it. Uh, you can either adopt, you can either foster... Or be like Julie and be a respite foster. There's a couple of other ones, but I'll stick to those main three. They're the three main aspects of um, caring for children who are vulnerable that you can give to. Uh, we would love to adopt Colin, but his mum rightly has the right to say, no, I want to be part of his life. So Colin is a long-term foster placement with us. Um, Colin is life limited. And, and he will, we hope he'll be with us all his life. Uh, and we hope that is a long, 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 long time. It's arduous, it's hard, but I promise you it's worthwhile. 
It's really worthwhile. I'm going to finish with a story. If I get emotional, you'll understand. On the night that Colin was born, uh, almost five years ago, the anaesthetist that night was a doctor called Dr. Bob, an amazing man, a foster family himself. And he uh, was the anaesthetist the night Colin was born. He also sat on the Queen's Ethical Committee. And recently, when Leslie and Colin and uh, Nicola were going to Great Ormond Street Hospital for a, a cardiac procedure that Colin was going through, he sat me down and he said, Brian, I want to tell you, it was touch and go ethically whether to leave the machines on for this wee man or not. And others in the room, and we had a debate about it, and he said, morally, ethically, we could have justified either. But we decided to let him live. Having now seen this wee man grow up in an environment of nurture and love, if I'm ever in the position again, I'll make the choice to let him live. Because I've seen how love and nurture develops life. That's the legacy of Colin. If a wee man of less than five can change a lovely, generous Christian man called Dr. Bob to change his ethical mind, that's a powerful thing. Now, I hope that I do want that to look towards us. I want you to see the sense of if you can give a loving, caring environment to a child, you transform their lives. You give them all kinds of possibilities. We're, we're very happy to chat to anybody afterwards about you know, what we've been through and what we're going through. Uh, Colin also has a respite family like Julie. He goes to them uh, once a quarter roughly, uh, gives a weekend. We get a bit of a break uh, and, and he loves them. He's like going to his aunt and uncle and he absolutely adores them. He looks forward to going and seeing them uh, and sharing their lives as well. Uh, so we're very blessed to have that facility as well. But that's kind of how Northern Ireland... There's also Dr. Bernardo's in Northern Ireland, uh, Home for Good. There, there's, there's other ways you can do it, but largely it's done through the trust. And some of the trust areas, the procedure's slightly different, um, but get, people will guide you through it. And our experience is it's hard, but worthwhile. What a fantastic story. The other day, um, I heard a similar story where... You see the threads just joining together where Krish, um, our uh, founder and director, was doing a new wine seminar and um, he looked out and he saw this guy and he thought, I know that man, but I don't know where I know him from. And he was the judge who um, did the court hearing so that their child became um, permanent, uh, was adopted. And he thought, I know that man, I know that man. And then realized he was the guy who, who gave the permanency for their child. Um, so, you know, God's doing great things in, in ways that we don't even imagine sometimes. Um, so what are we doing in Northern Ireland at the moment? Um, what we've tried to do is um, events like this. Um, we were at, um, we've done other events. We've tried to do some vision evenings where we would just, um, so your church might think we'd love to host a vision evening and that'd be great. 
what we would do is we would come and we would um, publicize it and we would gather as many people as possible and just give the vision of home for God, not dissimilar to what we've done this um, morning. And that opportunity we've had in Bangor and in East Belfast and in Lurgan. Um, we're hoping to do one in Ballymena this coming autumn and we're also hoping to do one in um, Bambridge. Um, and that really has hosted about 70 people. Um, some of the people in the room have been people thinking about adopting or fostering. Some have been half adopted or fostered. Some are social workers. Some are people who are church leaders or youth leaders or kids leaders and just want to know how can we support families and walk alongside families. So that's been great opportunity. And we want to keep doing those vision evenings. I spoke to a couple just before we started and I said, oh, have you heard of Home for Good before? And they said no. So, you know, there are people who still need to know about Home for Good and what we're trying to do um, in engaging the church. We've also had a lot of conversations with the trust. So as Brian said, um, the trusts are the people who hold the children when they go into care. So we've been had the privilege of having um, a few conversations with the trust. And there's a couple of more lined up for the autumn um, to look at what is the actual specific need in a certain trust. So, for instance, the Southern Trust at the moment are looking for teenagers and children who are at the upper end of um, being teenagers um, who are just about to hit the big world and don't have anybody supporting them and who can be a family for them. Um, and some of the churches in the Lurgan area are just exploring with them how can we make that message known in our churches. And it's not for everybody, and um, but everybody can pray or support practically. And so we're just exploring that with the Southern Trust. And what's been exciting is it's just barriers being broken and bridges being built. So we're seeing fa um, the trust starting to think, actually, the church has got a part to play. And it's a positive message. And we want to see that message um, be introduced into the trust so that they can start exploring how can them how can we engage with the church more and they want to engage with the church so it's good news that the church can give to um, society really we're also um, having coffee with um, people who are thinking about adopting and fostering we have an inquiry line the numbers on the um, banner and um, we get phone calls centrally from people in Northern Ireland who will say, I'm thinking about adopting. Um, do you know somebody I can talk to? And we want to walk alongside people. The journey is hard at times and the process can be um, right there in your face. And um, sometimes it's important that we just get some people around families as they go through it and people as they go through it. So if you're an adoptive family or a foster family, it'd be great to connect with you and to explore how you can um, support Home for Good in that way. Um, and we've just started looking at youth and kids training as part of Home for Good. Um, and we would love to resource our churches so that when children come into our kids work or youth work, we're better equipped 
to to support them in um, being part of um, our programs and um, building relationships. Um, and there's a church um, not far from here, actually, in Coleraine, um, who have asked if we could pilot one of those um, training sessions. Um, so we're hoping to do that in November um, this year, um, where we'll come as a Home for Good team and we will um, support them. And that will be open to other people. At the moment on our website, all the events are on there. Um, but we're looking to do a part of the website where if you click on the map of Northern Ireland, um, all the events in Northern Ireland come up. At the moment, you're going through the whole of the UK. Okay, so it takes a bit of time to find something more local. Um, but that's the direction we're going in. Um, hopefully that will excite you and um, maybe give you a chance to think, well, what bit can I be part of and how can I support? I'm just going to send um, two um, clipboards around. It'd be great to capture um, emails and um, anything you wish to know more about. Um, from an email point of view, we would love to connect you into what's happening in Northern Ireland as we send out emails to say this is happening or we'd love to be doing this. It'd be great to get your details. Um, and then if you want further information um, on how you can walk with us, then that'd be great. I've just got three things that I thought I'd just um, highlight um, as part of what you could be doing to support Home for Good and helping children find homes. One of them is, is to stand with us, to pray for us, to give. Um, financially, we would love Northern Ireland to have um, a pocket that is um, just used to, to develop the work here. Um, we're getting people who are saying we'll give £10 a, a month and that will be going to the work here in Northern Ireland. So if that's something you're interested in, please do um, indicate that. Um, praying for children, taking part in things like Adoption Sunday. So in November, we encourage churches to take a day. It's the, uh, it's the first Sunday of November and to pray for children in care. Maybe interview a family who have fostered or adopted. Some churches have even interviewed people who have been adopted as children and are now adults or were fostered. And it's really powerful to change the language in our church and to bring it into normality. Um, so your church may want to take part in Adoption Sunday. If you indicate that, I'll, I can email you information nearer the time of resources and how we can support you in that. So stand with us. Some of you, it might be that you want to step up and you actually want to um, adopt or foster. And it may be a long-term plan where you're thinking, I might do that in five years' time, or it might be now. Um, but having that conversation with some of the people here who have adopted or fostered will be helpful for you. Um, and we're happy to continue having those conversations and supporting you and making sure you feel equipped as you... Um, go to the trusts. What we'd love to see long term as the relationship with the trusts grows is Home for Good would host a meeting, but the trusts would come and share how to go through the process. Um, and it just is a little bit less threatening um, in that um, people have got a safe place to ask their questions via Home for Good. But there are social workers there who can also support in understanding the process. So we're looking to do a couple of those um, soon as well. Um, 
And finally, it'd be great if you could... Um, let me just find my last piece of paper and make sure I get it all in. Finally, it'd be really good if you could... Um, just to help your journey, the journey in your church, um, just become a reality, really, of what it means to adopt and foster and how we can support those families. Um, I don't know, indication-wise, I don't know whether you feel brave enough, but if you're a social worker, it'd be lovely if you just put your hands up and it'll give us an indication of who's here. If you're in the social work or in that field um, where you're with looked-after children, if you're um, church leaders, it'd be great to see if there's any church leaders, adoptive or foster families, people thinking about adopting and fostering. So even in this small group um, for an hour, we've got a spectrum of people. And taking this to our church is how we'd love to resource you. Um, and if you think I'd love to be the champion who can do that, um, do come and speak to me or to Julie and we can take you on that journey. Um, we're going to give a little bit of space just for any questions, whether it's about Northern Ireland or whether it's about the, um, the, the charity Home for Good. Um, if you shout the question out and then I'll repeat it in the mic and Brian and Julie will help us in that and Isabel can help as well. Any questions? Yeah. Thank you. Brilliant. Um, just saying that although the trust hold the children, the, the comment that was just made um, is the fact that there are other agencies, voluntary and in the independent sector in Northern Ireland. So Bernardo's was mentioned, Action for Children. Um, I'm trying to think, Foster Care um, Associates. There's a few that also look at children. So what, what I, I had a coffee with two of those. And um, what they were saying to me was that when children are difficult to place, sometimes if the trust cannot find um, a foster care or an adoptive family, they will then go to, um, to, to the independent sector and, and be asking them, have you got anybody who's been assessed? So it is important to explore those um, and particularly looking at you know, what is it, what is the niche I'm looking at and who's best to serve that niche and also who's best to support me as I go forward. Am I right to say that? Brilliant. Any other comments or questions? We've got a few minutes. It'd be good if you could turn to somebody next to you um, and maybe just... Um, just think of one or two things that you could take away as you go back to, to the business of life and back to our churches of, of anything that maybe have, have sat with you and you think, actually, this could be something I could explore further. And then we'll close up. I'm just going to um, tie things up um, and get Brian to pray for us. Um, somebody has just asked, are there any resources for schools? Because um, obviously children are going to come into our schools and how do we support them? Um, 
there's a really good resource that Adoption UK have produced, um, which is about adoption, but it, it shares about some of the ways of dealing with children who are um, in care. And um, that, that it's a PDF that you can just download off their website. Um, so if you want to have a look at that, if you're a teacher or you've got children in your schools that are um, looked after, the um, I think it's called... Um, how we learn or learning together, something like, do you know, learning together. There you are. Somebody's cleverer than me. Learning together. I have seen it and I have read it. And I did actually give it to the school my children were at um, just to support them in dealing with my kids. Um, there's also um, a booklet. If anybody wants one, please feel free to take one um, or we can get some to you. And it's about supporting families who have adopted or fostered. Um, and it's practical ideas. So you might be in a church and you think we've got a few families, but we don't know how to actually support them. Um, this booklet has some really good ideas of practical support, um, of getting alongside families and children and supporting them. Um, we'll leave a bit of time. If you want to talk to any of us, and I know there's a few other families that have adopted or fostered, please feel free to, to go and speak to them. I'm just going to ask Brian if he'd come and pray for us. Thank you for your time and just for your heart in wanting to know more and thinking how can we play a part in this. Um, I'm really excited of what God's going to do in Northern Ireland and, and just the part we can play in meeting the needs here. Um, so it will be great to get to know some of you further. And if you fancy a coffee, I'm always up for a coffee, always. So let's pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you that circumstances of life under your providence have meant that Malini uh, comes to Northern Ireland with a passion for children in, in vulnerable situations. So we pray for her, Lord, uh, and the work that she brings for Home for Good here. Uh, help her with the vision. Help her to find the people who will enable the vision to come around. Uh, that these 1,700 young people and children in Northern Ireland will find lo loving homes. And keep challenging your church, Lord God, to understand better. We're very insular sometimes, and don't sometimes really appreciate what some families are going through. So Lord, if we have uh, families in our congregations who are fosterers or adopters, respite or full-time, uh, Lord, maybe may you challenge us about thinking about the issues that go with them. Uh, Father, may we all enjoy the rest of New Horizon. May your spirit continue to challenge us. And personally, Lord, as Colin goes next week for this procedure, we pray that you would guide uh, the surgeons and those dealing with him, uh, that he might uh, have uh, a better quality of life through this procedure next week. So we just personally pray for him. Bless us now as we go about the rest of this day. And may we be a light to someone's darkness. In Jesus' name, amen.